Uh, we're talking about character, and today we're talking about character at home. And uh, this is always a touchy one, because uh, character at home happens, basically, as, as, our, as our values, and hopefully those are biblical values, uh, are lived out uh, both in the public and in the privacy uh, of the home. And uh, sometimes those two disagree. Uh, in other words, we might live it out, uh, what we live out publicly, maybe not what we live out privately. And, uh, and we need to talk about that because that's, this is basically an issue. It's a combination really of, of teaching, when we talk about this kind of character. It's a combination of teaching precepts. It's a combination of, of, of teaching and being an authentic example. And, and then all of that being energized, and I really believe this is the only way that these two can be harmonized, all of that being energized by, by a relationship, uh, uh, the right connection with Christ. So uh, that's where we need to begin. This concept, character at home, has many places we could go with it. Uh, we could talk about marriage. And we're not really going to talk about that this morning. This, it's a side thing. But we're going to talk more directly about uh, children and raising our children and the example that they see and, and all that goes along with that. Because, you know, character in the home... And this is something that, that one, as you get older, you see more and more. A character in the home has more and more long-lasting effects than most of us can pr- possibly fathom at the time because it's such a 24-7 thing. And, and there's so many subtle little things that can go on that we may not be aware of and not be thinking about that those little eyes are watching or, or hearing. And it's just amazing how they hear and see things that you later on find out, God, you heard that or you saw that. And um, a little scary sometimes. Um, let me add a word of warning, and I'm going to come back to this in a moment. It would be the wrong thing to do. If you listen to what, I, what, what I'm going to try to show you, what the Bible teaches on this, and for you to come away saying, well, my kid is the way he or she is because I screwed up or the dad screwed up. I mean, you know, that might be the case, but, but it may not. It very, don't necessarily go there because I would be an example of, 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 a, of, a, of a kid with uh, a great mom and dad who, who did a lot of the right things. Dad, my dad was almost not perfect, but I mean, you know, he, he's never smoked, drinked, or cussed in his life. I'll leave it there, okay? <laughs> I'll just leave it there, okay? Um, he still has a problem with the fact that his son is a pastor and will have a drink from time to time, you know? Uh, anyway, uh, um, and you know what? In all the good values that they raised me with, biblical values, there was still a time when I did my own thing, went my own way. And it was because I'm a depraved, selfish fallen, broken individual who made wrong choices, even though I was equipped to make right choices. So be careful with that. If you start trying to, you know, it's so easy to blame yourself. If, uh, particularly, and we've had, we had this in the early service, I know we have it here, and I know we're going to have it in the third service, particularly if you have one uh, a, a, a child that's kind of, maybe an adult child that's kind of wayward right now, or has been through that period of time, just, just, just listen, and don't beat yourself up necessarily, okay? Obviously, you, there may be some things you need to own, and that's something you need to deal with between you and, and your mate and God, 
Okay, but, but be careful with that whole thing because I always want to make sure we, we, we understand that. I want to take you to the New Testament first and just show you what, the, what that teaches. And I want to just kind of go from there and show you a, a great Old Testament illustration of this whole, particularly of this thing, the power of example. You know, the power of example. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment because it's, uh, it's so important. Uh, it, because it's, a, it's not just examples, also teaching the right precepts, it's power of example, but it's all being energized by a relationship with God through Christ. Ephesians chapter 6 addresses this. Ephesians chapter 6 addresses really a lot of the things in terms of both 5 and 6, uh, the whole deal with families and so forth. And I'm just going to pick up a part of the verse, verse 4 in chapter 6, and just show you what he says here. He's talking about kids. He says, rather bring them up, your children, with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. What does that mean? Discipline and instruction that comes with the Lord. Well, the King James puts it this way, King James Bible. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's how I learned the verse years ago. Uh, Nurture, we know what that means, to nurture one along. Admonition means warning, uh, teaching, and so forth. One of the uh, newer versions, uh, translation, paraphrase, puts it like this. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. I kind of like the way that, that's very illustrative. Just take them by the hand and lead them. You know, follow me. The Apostle Paul says that at one point. Follow me as I follow Christ. So it's the right teaching, but it's the right example. And hopefully those two are going to come together and there's not going to be a dichotomy. Then you really got problems when you have the right teaching, but you don't have the right example. You know, and, and somebody doesn't live out what they're saying, basically. Schweitzer, Albert Schweitzer says this example is not the main thing in life. It's the only thing. A lot of truth to that. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, actually was credited with, the, with the, being the founder of Sunday School in Chicago many, many years ago. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, a good example is far better than a good precept. So yes, we need to teach. We need to verbalize these healthy, righteous standards. We need to teach them. We need to verbalize them. We need to tell our kids, here's what you should do. No, this, that's not a good idea, and here's why. However, without that living, breathing example, it, it might be very challenging for them to grasp that concept. So we need to stop and think about that. Not to even mention, if we teach it and then don't live anything like that, that even, that's even causes more, uh, at times, immeasurable harm. So maybe you can stop and you're already thinking, well, you know, I don't like where this is going and I can think about some different things in my life and some places I have been and some ways that I have messed up in terms of the the raising of my children or child or or whatever the case may be. Well, the good news is it's never too late to right that ship. It's never too late to get it steered in the right course. So if nothing else, maybe this will be a course correction for some of you. But the thing about this, these things are so subtle. Uh, it, it's, 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 you know, they're, they're seemingly small, unaware blind spots that can be so subtle if we're not careful. And whether you're a parent or whether you're a grandparent or whether you're a, uh, an aunt or an uncle or, 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 or maybe, have, maybe it's not a blood relative but you have influence over kids, it, it's still the same. So wherever you are in your season of life, uh, the power of example is very important here. Now, I want to take you to the Old Testament. And I want to introduce you to a guy who later is known as Abraham. When he comes on the scene, he's known as Abram. 
goes through a whole lot of things, and God renames him and his wife. His wife's name is Sarai. She becomes Sarah. Okay? Um, I want to introduce you to Abraham. I'm going to take you through three or four generations of, of a family and just kind of show you what's going on here. Okay? This is pretty interesting stuff. Um, Abraham was a... Listen, let me just say this very, very up front. He was, he was a... And is, is still looked back upon as a great man of God. But he had issues. Now, that's what I love about the Bible. It goes into some of these great people, and it doesn't, it doesn't wink or blink at telling you the truth about people. And uh, it's just, here's an example. Here's Abraham. All right, now he's left his homeland. He's in a foreign land. He's young. He's got a good-looking wife, okay? He lives in a primitive culture. Obviously, everything is primitive then. Watch what happens here. Chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 10. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram turns to his wife and he says, Sarai, look, you're a hot babe, okay? <laughs> modern, modern paraphrase, okay? You, he says, you're hot, man. Um, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him, then we can have her. So please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. This, is, this guy's got an issue here. <laughs> kind of a self-serving son of a guy, isn't he? Um, so anyway, they get through that, and, and that happens, but then nothing happens to his wife, and she's not in any way touched or anything, and, and they may manage to get through that. The only thing that happens is this particular king in, in Egypt gets very upset with Abram for, telling, for just lying to him. You say, well, it really wasn't a lie. Listen, it's all in the family of lies, okay? You want to call it a deception. You want to call it, you know, we can, we can argue over words, but let's just call it what it is. Tell him you're not telling, you know, not only did he, he, he was getting her to lie for him. It's just a terrible thing to do. It's just ridiculous. Um, how'd that make you feel, wives? Your husband says, hey, honey, you're really a good-looking woman, and it will, be, it will go better for me if you just tell them that you're my sister. That doesn't make you feel too good. I've learned about that one time. Um, no, really, real quick, long, long, long time ago. Um, it's a true story, unfortunately. Uh, my, Charlene and I, and Charlene was a very, well, she still is a very attractive woman. And, uh, and, and, and this was, we had been dating, I think, for months at the time. And we were, I was just goofing around. I was just joking, okay? And some other really good-looking girl comes by about our age, and we're somewhere, and I'm like, hey, act like you're my sister. You know, it almost all ended right there. I mean, right there, boom. <laughs> That's it. And I'm like, I was just joking. And it was like, that's not funny. You know? Anyway, I, did, I wasn't serious. But anyway, it's not, uh, women do not feel valued when you do that. I don't know if you know that or not, but they don't feel valued. They don't feel honored. Um, well, let's go, to, let's go to Abram's son, or Abraham's son. He and Sarah have a son. His name is Isaac. Isaac's another great man of God. You go read about him in Genesis, and he did, did, I'm an amazing, amazing man. But look what happens to Isaac in chapter 26 of Genesis. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. I wonder where he learned this. 
Actually, he wasn't born when the other thing happened, but, you know, patterns stay the same. He was afraid to say she was my wife. He thought, they will kill me to get her because she's so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Uh-oh! <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> little PDA here. Um, um, Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She is obviously your wife! <laughs> Why did you say she's my sister? He explains, he backtracks, and, and again, everything turns out okay. But isn't it interesting? Here's son doing the same thing dad did. In this particular case, the same kind of lie. I'm not so much interested in that as I am problem with, problem with the truth? Problem with the truth. Hmm. What is that? Stay tuned. Let's go to the next generation, all right? Let's go to Isaac. He has two sons. That's Jacob and Esau. It's actually Esau and Jacob because Esau was older. That's a big deal. Um, And what happens, in those days and in that culture, if you were the oldest if you were the oldest son, even if it's son, obviously women, you know, were not treated very. There was no not many equal rights in those days. But if you were, even if you were the oldest son by minutes, which was the case here, um, there were certain blessings and there were certain birthrights that went with being the oldest son. Well, Jacob, who was the younger son, wanted those, so he tricked his dad Isaac into thinking that he. Jacob was Esau, who was really the oldest son, and he put on some animal skins because Esau was kind of an outdoor woodsman kind of guy, and, and Jacob was more of, you know, he was more of the indoor, you know, more of the golfer type, and he wasn't going out, and, and, and if they had such a thing, he wasn't the outdoor, you know, go out and get the game and bring him in, that, that type. Um, he probably had a few manicures, a few pedicures, but anyway, you get the, you get the difference here, okay? There's a, there's a real difference in these, in these people. And so, so, Jacob wants this, this blessing and this birthright, so he tricks his dad, Isaac, into blessing him and giving him the birthright and the inheritance, whatever all goes with that. And his mother helped him. Where did they learn all this deception? How come, where did they learn all this stuff? Well, Esau comes in. He says, Dad, I'm ready, I'm ready for you to bless me as the oldest. I'm ready for you to give me that blessing. Look what Isaac says, his dad. But Isaac said, your brother was here. He tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing from me? So now we have a third generation of deception and lies. Did they learn that? Is that in the DNA? How does that work? Let's go to the fourth generation, just real quick. So Jacob then has 12 sons. One of his sons is Joseph. They wrote a Broadway play about him, Joseph and the Amazing Dream Coat. Okay, because he had this neat, he had this special coat that was given to him by his father, which showed his dad, Jacob's favoritism toward Joseph over the other 11 brothers. The other 11 brothers get jealous. And they decide, you know what, I just don't want him around. So they decide they're going to kill him. They said, oh, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this dry well and let him stay down there. So they, draw, they throw him in this cistern, a dry well. 
And then one of them later is feeling bad about this, so he goes back and, and to pull Joseph out of that well, and he says, you know, I don't want to kill him. I think I'll just sell him into slavery. Oh, makes sense to me. Let's sell him into slavery. That's much better, you know. Um, so he sells him into slavery, but the other brothers don't know that he's done that. So they're going to go back. They go back to find Joseph, who's supposed to be in this, in this dry cistern, in this dry well, and he's gone. And they don't know that a couple of their other brothers had, had sold him. And he's gone. And they're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? And look what happens. Um, verse 29, again, uh, Genesis, chapter 37. Sometime later, Reuben, that's one of his brothers, returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. He went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone, what will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat. They dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe. Watch how they do this. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph was clearly, has clearly been torn to pieces. You say, well, they didn't really lie, did they? What would you call that? Whatever you want to call it is wrong. You can call it deception, you can call it lying, you can call it bending the truth, you can call it whatever. You know, it's, it's, we, we play those games, don't we? Uh, yeah, I was in the Army, I had this drill sergeant, and he was kind of a, kind of a hard-to-get-along-with guy, and, 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 and me and another guy plotted one day to, to just really pull this thing, so we, I had a smoke bomb that I had gotten somewhere. And so we put it in his barracks, like at midnight, in his little private room, and I said, I, I, I had it all, I said, I'll put it in, you light it. Okay, I put it in, he lit it, we ran to our bunks, and of course that was the first place he came, and the smoke's going off everywhere. And the first thing that has come to our, our area, and, and uh, he said, Peter, did you do that? I said, I didn't light any smoke bombs. They looked at the other guys, did you do that? I didn't put any smoke bombs anywhere. See, we were telling the truth, but we were lying in spirit. You know, you say, well, yeah, I mean, let's deal with truth here. And, and, and sometimes people like to play games with that. And, and I tell you, that's wrong. That's just wrong. That's what these guys, you know, that's what these guys, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever they're trying to say, you know what's going on in their heart. So here it is. One, two, three, four generations. I could take you to the 12 sons later in life and some of the things that they did, including Joseph at one point, who was really the, 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 one of the really righteous guys. And, and, and they still had a problem with this thing of truth. So is it the DNA? Or is it the example? I think you know this, but smarter people than me, and probably you, are on both sides of that issue. But here's what we do know. Never underestimate the power of example. Never underestimate the power of example. Here it goes. And a righteous bunch of guys, a bunch of guys who have great reverence and love for God. And you see this problem that just keeps popping up, keeps popping up and keeps popping up. Somebody's got to stop this somewhere. Somebody's got to say, I know dad did this. I know granddad did this, but I'm not. That's the issue here, that we have to stop it. Somebody can stop it. So, I want to, let me show you how that works. Before I do that, let me just, I, I, need to, I need to kind of wrap up some thoughts here to make sure you're still with me, because I know some of you are thinking about different things, and some of you are thinking about kids, and some of you are thinking about the, 
uh, the kid wondering where he is right now and what's going on and, and, and some of the other issues going on there. Listen, some thoughts on this, just two or three real quick ones. If you have a great parent or parents, or grandparents maybe even, that taught you some values that, that reflect the Scripture, that reflect God's love and, and, and God, the God of the Bible, you know, you, go, go thank them. Go thank them. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe that, you say, well, they're not around anymore. They're not with us anymore. I've known people even write letters of affirmation to a, to a, to a dead parent or a dead grandparent be, just, and, and then just file it away just to, just to kind of affirm in their own mind what they learned and the, the, the good values that they learned. Learned, some people have done the opposite too when things didn't go so well. But, but if you had a good parent or good parents, just, you know, thank them for that and pray for them, especially if they're still alive. If your kids, if you can, if your kids or one of them has gone astray, as you would, as we would like to call that, I'll let you interpret astray. The end of that story is not over yet. Just think about old Rich when he was eighteen or nineteen or twenty. You know, I mean, I'm not great now, but I'm not bad. And and and, and the issue is, you know, God has a way of still working in people's lives. Don't don't give up on that. Don't beat yourself up. Did you make mistakes? Probably. Did you make the mistakes that Abraham, that Isaac, and, and, and Jacob, and Esau? Maybe not to that level. Maybe, maybe not. But, but the issue is, thank God for the forgiveness. Don't beat yourself up. And let's start now. Let's start now. If you didn't have that kind of example, and it's clear, and we're not... We're not parsing verbs here, and we're not mixing nuances of meanings of words. You didn't have that example. You had an abusive parent, or an alcoholic, or a drug addict, or this or that. You know what? Don't blame. Don't excuse. Don't hide. Don't cover up. Ask God to give you strength and determination to get started in a new direction now. You can do that. It's not too late. It's never too late. But the power of Christ who lives in us when we come to Christ in faith, but the power that he gives us, you can either continue a great family legacy or you can start a new one right here and right now. And that's good news. Let me show you a couple of verses about that. Because, you know, you say, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I can't help that. I can't help it. It's, it's just my family. Tra- there used to be a country song. It's just a family tradition to be a dope smoker and a, a Hank Jr. sang that for a while. But, but uh, um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. He's talking to people who are, who are followers of Christ here. He said, instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Watch this, watch this. Sin is no longer your master. You can help it. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, watch this, you, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That freedom is a lot of things. One of the things that freedom is, is I do have the freedom now to not live that way. Because of the grace of God and the strength that God gives me, I can break that legacy, or I can continue that legacy, or I can start a new one. Whatever the case may be for your situation, 
as I look to, as I look to God through my relationship with Christ and trust him. That's the gospel. That's good news, folks. That's really good news. You know, and, and, and this is the thing that, that, listen, there is power more than I ever imagined in living a godly example. And you say, yeah, but, but, but I, haven't, I haven't done that. But you know what? There's also power in transformation. And, and, and all of a sudden, if your kids are at that age where they've noticed that, all of a, and, and, and over a period of time, they say, hey, you know, I noticed mom and dad not screaming at each other anymore. If that's what you did. I noticed, I, noticed, I noticed dad or mom are actually coherent now in the evenings. They notice those things. You know, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a big change. And you say, maybe, maybe, maybe it hasn't been a good, a good setting, but it can change. And there's power also in transformation to a new kind of example, even if you're in the middle of the, even if you're in the, middle of the, of the stream, so to, speak, so to speak. Power in living a godly example, there's power to live a godly example. Because it happens inwardly as God changes our heart and as God changes our life. So that we don't have to try to be anything or do certain things. But, but he gives us that freedom to, be, to really to be obedient to Christ. And that comes through a relationship with him. Ch- changes our desires. Doesn't mean we don't always desire what's right. But changes the desires to live in a way that will be honoring to him. Powerful thing. That's how, that's how God works. It's a great thing as we see that. Got to be authentic. But God can change the heart. Only God can still change a heart. These are important issues because they affect so many people for so many years, over so many generations. And we don't always think about that. But gosh, I mean, that's an amazing thing. So I need to pray. I need to pray for you. I need to pray for me. Um, all of our families here, and even if, even if, you know, I said this earlier, and I want to emphasize this, maybe you're here and you don't have kids, that doesn't mean you don't have influence over others, because you do, I don't care who you are, and where you are, and your particular place in life, that's always, always important, and God knows we need help, and we need strength, and, and he's willing to give it, as we seek it, and as we ask for him, so I want to pray for us right now, as we think about that, Lord God, we are humbled by the love that you have for us and how you give us an ability to be transformed by your grace and by your power. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for your love. I I, I pray for each, each person at each place of life. Some or looking to continue a tremendous legacy, I pray that you would give them the ability to do that and the strength and the determination that it takes that can only come from you. For some are seeking to, to, to start a new legacy in their lives, and I, in their families' lives, and I pray that you would give them the strength and the determination to, to make that change, make that correction, maybe in their own lives or maybe just in the, in the lives of, their, of the generational of the family. So, and we thank you, God, for how you work. Pray for our, our, our families. Pray for our kids, all of us, parents. Pray for your blessing upon them. Pray for wisdom as we seek to, to honor each other and, most importantly, honor you. 
And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.